Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change, terms apply. guys, and welcome to the Moms and Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Howdy ho, neighbor. Whoa. I know. I know. <laughs> you really caught me off guard with that one. <laughs> I went back to um, home improvement for that one. I was I was pumped. I wanted to mix it up a little so we didn't talk about weather. That would throw you off from the beginning. Yeah. Well, you did. Now it's like oh, I don't no. know where to go from here. <laughs> oh, man. I should have thought this through. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm doing great this week, Melissa. How are you? I'm doing really good. Yeah, no complaints. I mean, I can complain. I could complain every day. I could complain on vacation, you know, with catering and I don't even know what that's called. Room service, everything. I would still find something to complain about, but I choose not to today. Today is a good day. Today is a great day. So if you are um, listening to our show, maybe for the first time, it might be because you heard us talking on the radio. Um, For those who have been listening to our podcast, Melissa and I were on the radio. Well, we weren't yet, but we will have been. We might be on it right when you're listening. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we might be. Yes. So uh, Tuesday, yes, we will be on the radio on live radio, which is, of course, very terrifying for Melissa and I who are used to doing a podcast and being able to edit ourselves numerous times, sometimes 
If you saw many, all the edit marks times. I make on this thing, you it would blow your mind. <laughs> yes. So it remains to be seen how we will do on a live radio show. But maybe you are um, just coming into the podcast because you've heard us on the radio. So welcome, if that is the case. I'm really excited that you are here for this week's case because we have a local story local to us here in Central Florida. So without further ado, Melissa, are you ready to get into the case this week? Let's do it. All right. So as I said, this story does hit very close to home, and it actually happened right here in our backyard in Altamont Springs, Florida. So Altamont Springs is a suburb of Orlando, and it's really quite a lovely area, if I do say so myself. It's actually where I go several times a week to do most of my shopping and just for different outings, and it's also where all of the best parks in town are. Melissa and I actually went on numerous playdates together in uh, Altamont Springs at various parks. So we are very familiar with the city this week. Although Altamont Springs isn't the safest city in Florida, it doesn't have a ton of violent crime. The majority of crimes in Altamont are property crimes. And some data that I looked at from 2019 showed that the chance of becoming a victim of a violent crime in this area are one in 413. And as far as murders go, there weren't any in 2019 or 2018 and only one in 2017. So it's a relatively quiet town in terms of crime. Speaking for myself, I was shocked learning about this case and thinking about it happening in an area that I frequent. And this is not just your typical murder story. This is one of the rare instances of a child killing a parent. And I think we've only talked about cases like this two other times that I can yeah. think of where there was, you know, yeah, where there was a minor who committed the murder of their parents. So it's certainly not something that you commonly hear about, which is part of what makes the story really gripping and so tragic. The teen years can be some of the hardest to go through both as a person and as a parent. My kids haven't quite reached that age yet, but I'm seeing more of this teen-like behavior from my 11-year-old. So I can just imagine what's in store <laughs> for the next several years. And listening to my friends talk about their experiences raising teens is kind of bittersweet and it sounds really lovely at times and also terrifying at other times. And I'm just not really looking forward to this inevitable phase where, you know, I am enemy number one and, you know, the kids are smarter than the parents. Oh, yeah. But for Courtney Schulhoff and her father, Steve, the relationship between them deteriorated to the point that teenage angst turned deadly. Life wasn't always complicated for Courtney. She was born on December 27, 1987 in Washington, D.C., and raised in Maryland by Steve and Tracy Schulhoff. Tracy had grown up in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and wanted the same for her family. After the couple got together, Steve converted to the Church of Jesus Christ, and when Courtney was born, she was raised in the church as well. The biggest parts of Courtney's childhood were her family and her church. As a kid, Courtney did many things kids do, such as spending time with her dad, playing sports, or throwing a baseball around for hours. Although Steve was a bit more reserved and quiet, he often did and said these silly things to just really make Courtney laugh. But it wasn't just her dad that she had a close bond with. She also had the same great relationship with her mom. Among the many things that Courtney enjoyed, she showed an early interest in performing arts and had dreams of attending a performing arts college and becoming a professional dancer. Life really started off well for Courtney, and her future seemed as promising as anyone could want for their daughter. But in 2002, things began to change in the Schulhoff household. At the same time as Courtney was just entering those tough early teen years, her parents began having marital troubles. Some sources claim that Courtney's mom met another man, and that was really the catalyst for her leaving Steve. 
But either way, the couple got divorced that year. Whether there were feelings of hostility and resentment or some other reason, Courtney found herself pulling away from her mother and they grew apart. Steve didn't have legal custody of Courtney following the divorce, but Courtney decided to stay in the house with her dad when her mom left. In Courtney's at the time 14-year-old mind, her mom was just too religious and too strict, more really than her dad was, so she felt that her mom wouldn't approve or allow some of the typical teenage things that Courtney wanted to be doing. Unfortunately, Courtney realized that the life she envisioned at her dad's wasn't going to come to pass either. Steve had taken the divorce really hard, and the experience changed him. He went from being the fun-loving parent that Courtney adored throughout her childhood to being a lot less enjoyable to be around due to his newly developed drinking habit and his tendency to bring home a lot of new and different women. So now Courtney, at the tender age of 14, was left to cope not only with her parents' divorce, but also all of the other changes that had come along with it. It was a very tumultuous and emotional time for Courtney, and it sent her into a state of deep unhappiness. As it often happens, Courtney began to act out in attention-seeking ways. The same year that her parents got divorced, Courtney began experimenting with drugs, alcohol, and sex. It seemed like Courtney's life took a downward turn from this point on, and there are parts of this story that are unconfirmed, but they do contribute to the story, so we're going to share all the details anyway. So even though Courtney was raised in the church, her parents allegedly did not set a very good example, and Courtney later said that they, quote, broke all the rules. Witnessing her parents' bad behavior is what Courtney thinks caused her to begin doing these same things out of rebellion. Whatever the cause, Courtney's behavior did not help her relationship with her dad at all, and to make matters worse, he allegedly had some kind of different disciplinary methods. While attending high school, things got worse. Courtney showed no concern for her grades in school or really for life in general, and she struggled to cope with her father's new relationships. So she continued to indulge in drugs and alcohol and started falling in line with what parents love to call the wrong crowd. Courtney was actually sent to a mental and behavioral center in Winter Park, Florida, when Steve finally became fed up with it. He actually tried to involve the police in the situation by asking them to arrest her and take her to jail in kind of this scared straight attempt. But unfortunately for Steve, that's not really a thing that you can just do. You can't just go to the police and say, I need your help to discipline my teenage daughter. I mean, if they offer a program like that, then sure, you know, the community will be aware of it. But you can't just go to the police and say, can you arrest my daughter? But you could call Dr. Phil. I'm sure he would call Dr. (laughs) Phil. Yeah. You could call Dr. Phil. I don't know that he would help, but yes, no, no, he no. Try. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that Steve would even go, you know, to this length just shows how desperate he clearly felt, you know, about yeah. the way his daughter's life was going. And he really wanted a solution. He was clearly at his wits end with her. If he was thinking, I am at this last resort, I need to contact the police to help me. Yeah. So the first year following the divorce was a whirlwind filled with anxiety and deep emotional pain for Courtney. After a year had passed in January of 2003, Courtney met a man named Michael Morin, and that really changed everything. And we're using the word man because this person was 20 years old when he met Courtney, and at the time, Courtney was just 15. To no one's surprise, Courtney really loved the attention she was getting from this older guy, and being around him really seemed to bring Courtney out of her shell. Michael had already graduated high school, but he was really popular and intelligent and always made good grades. He was also a football star who had all the potential to realize his dream of becoming a college football player. 
But after enrolling in community college for a short time, Michael felt like he had no real direction and he eventually dropped out and never made it to the field as a college football player. When he and Courtney met at a party, the two of them fell hard and fast for each other. They started to spend really every second they could together. Michael would actually go pick up Courtney from school and they'd hang out for the afternoon. But then Courtney just became so enamored and really almost obsessed with her new boyfriend, she began to start skipping school just to, you know, go and hang out with him. One afternoon when Michael came to pick Courtney up from school, he actually got out of his car in the high school parking lot and got on one knee to propose to her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm just like picturing this whole thing. I mean, I have to be honest. There was at least a few people in my high school that got engaged. It was the weirdest. Like even in high school, I was like, come on, guys, this is not going to go anywhere. But it was always just a bizarre thing. But I can't imagine seeing this in the school parking lot and seeing this like older guy. I mean, the difference of five year, a guy that's five years older than me now is way different than a guy that's five years old, you know, from you at 15. Besides the fact that that whole relationship is illegal. That's a that's a big age difference there. Since Courtney was really just so in love, she really believed that she'd finally found this stability and attention she'd been so, so desperate for, and she agreed to marry him. Keep in mind, Courtney is just 15 at this time and going through a lot of personal and home troubles. She certainly wasn't in any position to be accepting proposals from men who had absolutely no business even being in a relationship with her. And we're going to get into so much more of this story after one quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. If you're looking for a way to treat yourself in the new year, look no further than the sheets on your bed. We spend a lot of our lives asleep, or at least laying in bed scrolling through our phones. And if you're working from home right now, you're likely spending even more time there. So why not spend that time in comfort with Eucalypso Home Sheets? Eucalypso sheets are made from 100% natural eucalyptus fibers that are not only eco-friendly, but they are silky soft. The best way I can describe them is to say that they are a cross between silk and cotton, so they're super soft while also being cool to the touch and ultra-breathable. If you're a hot sleeper like me, then these are the sheets that you've been waiting for. Eucalypso sheets are naturally temperature-regulating and three times more breathable than your regular cotton sheets, making these sheets the most comfortable sleeping environment. They are also moisture-wicking, so you can say goodbye to night sweats. I also love that they're antibacterial and hypoallergenic, which means less laundry for me. Keeping cool at night has always been a challenge, but the designers at Eucalypso said, challenge accepted. Not only are these sheets comfortable and cool, but 99.9% of the materials used are recycled and reused in the production process, which not only helps protect the environment, but makes Eucalypso sheets the most eco-friendly sheets on the market. Find them at eucalyptohome.com. Go to eucalyptohome.com and use promo code MOMS for 10% off plus free shipping on your entire purchase. Again, that's E-U-C-A-L-Y-P-S-O-H-O-M-E dot com and use code MOMS. When I was growing up, I remember seeing commercials talking about how terrible eggs were for you. Fast forward to now, where people can't stop talking about all the benefits of eggs. All that to say, there's a lot of contradictory food information out there, and even our old school food pyramid isn't a lot of help. But if you're confused on what to do like I am and want to make better food choices, Noom is the answer. Noom asks for just 10 minutes a day to help you change your life. With Noom, logging your food is simple and the lessons are easy to follow, helping incorporate Noom as an easy part of your day. I've done a few of those extreme 30-day diets in the past. I definitely lost a few pounds, but at the end of the month, I had no idea what to do. 
The program wasn't meant to be long-term, but since I never learned how to eat, I immediately binged and gained all my weight back in just a few short days. And that's a huge part of why I love Noom. Noom is all about the long-term and based in psychology. So Noom teaches you how to eat so you can make these choices for you because you don't need some set of rules to lose weight. You just need knowledge. Best of all, Noom is forgiving. You're human, you're gonna go off track. But instead of feeling like you just blew it, Noom encourages you to just try again tomorrow. I started with Noom just to learn to make better habits. I didn't have a magic number I wanted to get to, I just wanted to feel better. And with Noom, I really am. Every day is not a slam dunk. Some days I eat my feelings, and by feelings I mean I eat my weight in chips and queso. But with Noom, I know that's okay, and my goal specialist is there to encourage me to start again tomorrow and keep going. There's a science to getting healthier. It's called Noom. Sign up for your trial today at noomnoom.com slash moms. Ready to learn how to live healthier? Sign up for Noom today at noom.com slash moms. And now back to the episode. Before the break, we were talking about how Courtney was in this relationship with this 20-year-old man and he had proposed to her and she is just thinking that this is her, this is so great for her. So she is over the moon in love with this guy and she agrees that she is going to marry him. Of course, this furthers the rift that is already going on between her and her father. And obviously when you're 15, you, you know, come home and say, dad, I got engaged to my boyfriend. (sighs) Your dad's not going to be very excited for you in most cases. I would, I would imagine. So Steve was not happy and he did not like this relationship. Since the divorce, Steve had been struggling financially as well to pay all of the bills. And we all know what a burden and kind of source of immense stress that money or really a lack thereof can be. To make matters even worse than they already were, Steve found out that Courtney had added a new bad behavior to the list of rebellious and disrespectful things that she was doing. He found out that she'd been using his credit card to make online purchases. And these shopping sprees maxed out Steve's credit cards on more than one occasion. So after several times of getting caught essentially stealing money, Steve confronted Courtney about it and an altercation ensued. A friend of Courtney's was actually over at her house when this fight between her and her dad broke out. And although she doesn't know exactly what happened, she remembered hearing screaming and the sound of somebody being slapped. And then Courtney walked out of the room with tears streaming down her face. But the fact of the matter was Courtney's spending was out of control and it really put her dad in a tough position. He was forced to sell the home that Courtney had lived in for years with her family, and he had to downsize to a small and more affordable apartment, and that is when they moved to the Altamont Springs area. By the time he and Courtney moved and got settled in, Steve had had enough of Courtney's relationship with Michael, who, of course, he perceives as this bad influence and all-around trouble for Courtney, and he insisted that she stop seeing him. As you can probably guess, Courtney was very resistant to ending this relationship, She was head over heels for this guy, Michael, so when her dad demanded that she break things off with him, she reacted the way most teenagers would react, with high-level emotion. Not only did she not stop seeing Michael, but she ended up turning to him even more than before. The two of them had made the decision that they would make an attempt to run away together to stay with relatives in Maryland. They stole a car to drive there, but the trip didn't go as planned, and they ended up back in Florida. Courtney was back at her dad's apartment, and Michael was, well, he was in police custody for stealing a car. But they didn't let this little hiccup deter them. Courtney and Michael still found ways to see each other, all against Steve's wishes and 
he's just begging and pleading Courtney, you know, pleading with Courtney to please stop seeing this guy that this is trouble. So on New Year's Eve 2004, Michael borrowed his father's car without permission, stealing it really, and he snuck off to see Courtney. This was, of course, a violation of his probation. So his father called the police and Michael was picked up and arrested and made to spend one month in jail. We can only imagine the temporary relief that this brought Steve because all is really quiet while Michael's away in jail, but he's not gone very long. He's only gone for a month. So when Michael was released on February 3rd, 2004, he found himself homeless and with no place to go. He was no longer welcome at his father's house after he had violated his probation and stolen his car. So Michael turned to Courtney for help and for a place to crash. Every night after Steve was asleep, Courtney would actually sneak Michael in through a window and let him stay the night. After a while, Steve knew something was going on and he suspected that Courtney was seeing Michael again, but he had no idea that she was actually bringing him into their home and allowing him to sleep there. And that is until Michael's probation officer actually called Courtney's apartment looking for Michael. So, oh my gosh, I cannot imagine finding out not only, you know, not only is she seeing this guy again, you know, she had a month to kind of, I don't know, you don't want to say get over her feelings for him, but you know, as a parent, you would be like, right, a month away apart would do these two some good. So it has to be so frustrating. And then to be like, you're doing what? Like you're letting this guy come in through the window and stay and sleep here? Like, oh my gosh, I would be very upset. And it's got to be terrifying to know. Like, I just can't imagine if, (laughs) I don't care if it's my favorite kid in the world. If one of your kids came over to my house and was coming in through the window and just sleeping for no reason, you know, like I would be freaked (laughs) out. Just the idea of somebody coming in, you're not even realizing it. That's terrifying. Yeah, it's definitely very scary. So when Steve realized that this was going on and, you know, that Michael was basically living in his home right under his nose, he was furious. He called the police to see what his options were and, you know, what he could do to actually deal with this problem. At this point, Courtney had really given up on her dream of going to performing arts school and becoming a professional dancer. Now she had dropped out of high school. She was being really recalcitrant and she was continuing to rack up more and more debt on her father's credit cards. So Steve was begging the police to step in and do something. I mean, he just wanted them to do literally anything. And he even admitted to the police. Yeah. So he even admitted, you know, things are not perfect. He said things are so bad between them, you know, between him and his daughter that he admitted to the police that he actually had slapped his daughter on more than one occasion out of anger. So nothing was actually resolved during this, you know, meeting with the police, but they agreed that Steve could call and have Michael arrested if he was found at the apartment again. But the problems just kept compounding. The very next day, Steve got another credit card bill in the mail, and it was the highest one yet. He was beside himself with anger, stress, and frustration that he just could not get control of Courtney, and she seemed to have no care in the world about any of it. Courtney was extremely uncooperative and defiant at every turn. But even Steve couldn't have imagined just how far gone his daughter had become or the horrors that she was concocting. But were things really so black and white in this case? We've mentioned that some of the details in this story are of the allegedly variety, and this next part is what we're talking about. Throughout the time that Courtney was dating Michael, she frequently told him that she was suffering abuse at the hands of her father, Steve, and she was talking about more than just the slapping incident. Courtney was actually alleging that her father abused her in several ways, including sexually, and because these things had happened, she told Michael that she hated her father. 
So the topic of whether or not Courtney was abused by Steve is heavily debated in this case, but we'll get more into that later. During this time that all of this is going on, Steve is dating this woman named Elaine, and Elaine was very familiar with these issues that Steve was having with Courtney and with Michael. She was one of the only real confidants that Steve had, and that's who he turned to when he got the latest huge credit card bill that came in the mail. He went over to Elaine's house and told her that enough was enough. He was going to confront Courtney and be more stern with her the next morning. So after Steve and Elaine talked, Steve left and went home, but Elaine had a bad feeling that things were going to turn ugly whenever Courtney was confronted. Elaine told Steve that she'd call him the next day to see how things went. But the next day, Elaine called and Steve didn't answer his phone. Elaine figured that, you know, Steve probably had his hands full dealing with this Courtney situation, so she waited for a while and then she tried to reach him again, but still had no success. Finally, around 3 p.m., Elaine decided to just drive over to Steve's apartment to see what was going on. She typically spoke to Steve every day, so it was a little strange that he was not answering her calls, but his phone was also going straight to voicemail. When Elaine pulled into the apartment complex, she immediately noticed that Steve's dog was being walked by who she first thought was Steve. As she drove closer, though, she realized that it was actually Courtney's boyfriend, Michael Morin, walking the dog. And not only that, he was also wearing Steve's clothes. This immediately set off alarm bells in Elaine's mind. Yeah, oh my gosh. So Steve did not like Michael, as we said before, and Elaine thought there was just no possible way that he would have given Michael clothes to wear or asked him to walk his dog. She was really concerned, so she started making her way towards the apartment where she was met by Courtney sitting on the doorstep. So when Elaine asked Courtney where her father was, Courtney said she didn't know, and she was acting really suspicious, and she ended up pulling the door to the apartment shut and locking it. Steve's truck was actually parked outside of his apartment where it always was. So Elaine at this point is thinking something is very, very wrong. We have Steve's truck is parked here. The boyfriend is walking Steve's dog wearing Steve's clothes. Courtney is acting strange by the door and now has locked the door and will not let her go inside. So, of course, Elaine is thinking what has happened. Right. You know, where where is your dad? You know, where is Steve? So she demanded that Courtney let her inside the apartment, but of course, Courtney refused. And then she took off with the key to the apartment in hand. With no choice left, Elaine dialed 911 and explained the situation to them and told them that she was very, very worried about her boyfriend's safety. When officers arrived, she told them about the weird behavior from both Courtney and Michael, including the dog walking and wearing Steve's clothes and this refusal to let her inside. And so the police knocked on the door and tried to, you know, get somebody inside to answer. There was no answer. And so at that point, they also believed that he could be in danger. Officers managed to get inside the apartment quickly by going through the sliding glass door. Once they were inside, Elaine's fears became a horrifying reality. As soon as the police went into Steve's bedroom, there was no denying that what took place there was brutal and violent. The walls, floor, and ceiling were all covered in blood, and there was a bloody aluminum baseball bat at the foot of the bed, which officers believed was the murder weapon. Steve, who was 48 years old at the time, was found dead. His body had been stuffed inside of a Rubbermaid container. More officers were then called to the scene to gather evidence and search for their two suspects. There was no sign of Courtney anywhere, but officers quickly spotted Michael at the Altamont Mall right across from the apartment complex. 
One officer chased him through the mall parking lot, but after a few minutes, Michael was in custody. When he was arrested, he was found to be in possession of Steve's wallet and car keys. And we're going to get into the rest of this story after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but when it comes to socks, I'm kind of an expert. In winter, spring, summer, and fall, you'll find me wearing socks, but not just any old socks. After all, you can't become a self-appointed sock expert by wearing those same economy socks you've been buying all your life. But you can do it with Bombas, because Bombas are the socks your feet have been dreaming of. I wear my Bombas every day, no exaggeration, and that's because they are absolutely the most comfortable socks I've ever owned. From getting rid of that painful and annoying toe seam to making no-slip socks that actually do just that, Bombas has you covered. Bombas come in a variety of styles and are built to last, but Bombas does more than just keep our feet nice and cozy. Bombas is committed to helping give back to the most vulnerable members of our community, and they do that by donating a pair of socks to someone in need for every pair of socks you purchase. To date, the generosity of Bombas customers has allowed them to donate over 40 million socks and counting through their nationwide network of 3,000 plus giving partners. For those experiencing homelessness, socks represent the dignity of putting on clean clothes, which is a small comfort that's so important now more than ever. Give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash moms and murder. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash moms and murder for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash moms and murder. I started using BetterHelp about a year ago, and I can't tell you what a difference it's made for me. I've been in therapy a few times over the course of my life, but it's never been very easy to stick with. And that's mainly because I have to leave the house and get a babysitter just to get out the door. But now, thanks to BetterHelp, it's as easy as making a phone call. If you're like me and there's something that's interfering with your happiness or something that's preventing you from achieving the goals you have for yourself, check out BetterHelp. BetterHelp doesn't just assign you to a random therapist on the BetterHelp network, but they assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist so you can start communicating in under 24 hours. If you find for some reason that your therapist isn't a great match, you can change therapists at any time. BetterHelp is available for clients worldwide, and with BetterHelp, you can message your counselor at any time and schedule weekly video or phone chats, all from the comfort of your own home. BetterHelp counselors are specialized in things like anxiety, stress, trauma, sleep, and grief, and everything you share with your counselor is confidential. Financial aid is also available to those who qualify. BetterHelp continues to grow. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. We want you to start living a happier life today. As a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com moms. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot moms. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing DashPass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With DashPass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members-only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass ensures that everything you need is just a few clicks away, delivered right to your door. With DashPass, not only do you enjoy $0 delivery 
delivery fees, but you'll also benefit from lower service fees on eligible orders, making it the most affordable way to satisfy your cravings and stock up on essentials from your local favorites. What I really love is how quickly DashPass pays for itself. On average, it takes just two orders, which makes it a no-brainer investment for your budget. And as if that weren't enough, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass. $0 delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were talking about the scene that police have just, you know, walked into and they found Michael's body and they've, you know, been looking for, now they're looking for Courtney and they're looking for Michael. They've caught Michael across the street at the mall and now they're looking for Courtney. And so back at the scene though, police are determining that Steve had been beaten to death with a baseball bat. The side of his head was hit so hard that half of his face was crushed in and his ear was missing. His body was then stuffed into a Rubbermaid bin, which police later learned was supposed to be thrown off a bridge in Brevard County. Among other evidence, police found a men's shirt with blood on it, which they thought could have belonged to Michael. On the dining room table, there were numerous bank statements that were laid out where Steve had highlighted specific charges. So it was clear to police that either Steve had confronted Courtney about the charges or that he had intended to. Several hours into their investigation, officers still hadn't been able to locate Courtney, but she made it pretty easy for them by turning herself in. She must have gone to her mom's after the murder because that's who drove her into the police department. Courtney was led into a room for questioning, and she immediately pointed the finger at her boyfriend, Michael, as being the one to beat her father to death. She claimed that she only learned about the murder after it had already happened and that she had no idea that Michael was planning to do this. Meanwhile, Michael's in another room giving his story to officers. According to him, the murder plot started to unfold the Sunday before. Michael was hiding out in Courtney's closet, and he said that Courtney came in and let him know that Steve knew he was there. She told him to quietly get dressed and sneak out the window, and she made a plan to meet him at the mall an hour later. Michael told police that he slept on the streets for the next two nights. He claimed that the next time he saw Courtney, he went to the apartment where she lived with her dad, and when he got there, he said Courtney handed him her dad's keys, wallet, and the dog leash and asked him to walk the dog. Michael said he knew something was up and that this was really odd behavior. He claimed that when he saw Elaine pull up, he thought Steve must be home, so that's why he took off running. So according to Michael's story, he had no idea that Steve was dead in the apartment that day. But something about that just didn't really seem to add up to the investigators. For one thing, Courtney was a 90-pound 16-year-old girl. 
Officers felt that although it wouldn't be impossible, it was pretty unlikely that Courtney single-handedly beat her father to death. After some further questioning, Michael broke down and told the police what really happened. The murder, he said, was all Courtney's idea. She was the one who wanted her father dead. Michael told the police that Courtney had been abused by Steve on a regular basis, and he said Steve would often grab Courtney by the neck, shake her around, and bang her head on the wall. Courtney allegedly told Michael about all these instances of violence, and at some point she said she just couldn't take it anymore, so she asked Michael to kill her dad. Michael then admitted that he did kill Steve. He said he tried to talk Courtney out of it, but she was very adamant that she wanted Steve out of her life for good. He claimed that he blacked out during the attack and that when he came back to reality, he was covered in blood and was washing himself off in the bathroom. After several hours of interrogation, Courtney also finally admitted to the police that she had a hand in helping murder her dad. Her final version of the story was that she provided the bat and she actually lured the dog out of the apartment, which lined up with Michael's story, except that Courtney insisted that the murder was Michael's idea from the beginning and she just helped facilitate it. Both Michael and Courtney were arrested and charged with murder. Since Courtney was underage, she was charged as a juvenile initially, but the jury later issued indictments for both to be tried as adults. Two and a half years later, Courtney finally entered the courtroom to stand trial. Looking at her, you'd never know she was capable of such a horrific crime. She looked like an innocent kid and really was even seen giggling before the trial. Although she was not able to receive the death penalty, life without parole was on the table. Michael, however, could receive the death penalty since he was an adult at the time of the murder, and the prosecution was seeking just that. In his full confession, Michael claimed that Courtney waited for her dad to fall asleep and she left the baseball bat next to his bed so Michael could access it easily. Once Steve was asleep, Courtney took the dog outside to keep him from barking and waking him up. When all was quiet, Michael snuck into Steve's room and viciously beat him to death while he slept. Prosecutors believed that Courtney had embellished her father's alleged abuse and played it up so that Michael would feel bad for her and would be willing to carry out the murder. We say allegedly here because there's no proof whatsoever that Steve was ever abusive towards Courtney, with the exception of the time Steve admitted to police that he had slapped her during an argument. Those who knew Steve, including his girlfriend Elaine, said that he was not an abusive man and there were no actual reports of any abuse on file. A DCF investigation also found no indication of long-term abuse on Steve's part. But that's not to say it's impossible or that it couldn't have happened, just that there's no proof of it. But advocates for Courtney argue that her general bad behavior, previous suicide attempt, and childlike personality all point to the possibility that the alleged abuse did happen. Courtney's attorneys advised her not to testify in her own trial. Once the jury heard the circumstances of the case, they were sent to deliberate. After three hours, they returned with a verdict. Courtney was found guilty of first-degree premeditated murder, which carries a life sentence under Florida law. When Courtney was convicted, she showed no emotion and was pretty much unfazed. But in a stunning twist, Courtney was able to address the court prior to receiving her sentence, and when she had her time to speak, she said that Michael did not kill her dad and that she was the one who did it and she acted alone. She said Michael had nothing to do with it and even became physically sick when he saw that Steve was dead. About six months later, it was Michael's turn to face a jury for his part in the crime. 
Courtney was taken into court as a witness in Michael's trial, and when she showed up, she looked completely different. She always had, you know, typically been a pretty plain kid and, you know, had this very sweet and innocent vibe, but she came into court wearing all this dark makeup to the point that one officer described her as looking almost goth looking. On the stand, she testified that she murdered her dad and it was not Michael who, you know, was actually the one to carry out the murder. She alleged that she walked into the room with the baseball bat and, quote, started whacking away. These are her Yikes. words. This is so her dad. disturbing Oof. that she would, t- yeah, that she would talk about it that way. So she claimed that after she killed her dad, she told Michael what happened and he even urged her to call the police, but he did help her put Steve's body into the container and knew about the plans, you know, that he was going to help her travel to Brevard County to dispose of the body. This testimony did really little to save Michael from the inevitable. On April 25th, 2007, the jury announced that Michael Morin was guilty of murdering Steve Schulhoff. He was 23 years old at the time of his conviction. The jury, however, did choose to sentence Michael to life in prison without parole instead of giving him the death penalty, which may have been a decision that was based on Courtney's testimony and this allegation that she was the main perpetrator in the murder. Years later, in 2015, Courtney did an interview with Candace DeLong, and she changed her story again. She claimed that Michael had actually convinced her that her father needed to die so that they could be together. She said when Michael first brought up this idea, she didn't know how to feel about it. So to this day, the question still remains, which one of them actually murdered Steve? The U.S. Supreme Court later ruled that sending underage offenders to prison for life with no prospect for release amounts to cruel and unusual punishment, and therefore they ruled that it is unconstitutional. So Courtney's original sentence was reduced by 40 years, and she is now set to be released on August 28th of 2039. Until then, she will serve her time in the Lowell Correction Institution in Gainesville, Florida, and Michael is serving his life sentence in Taylor Correctional Institute outside of Perry, Florida. It is unknown if they are still in contact with each other, but at the last trial, Courtney did say that she never loved Michael, which must have been really hard for him to hear since he is now spending the rest of his life in prison for murdering her dad. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I always wonder in these things, like what is the conversation that started this? Because they didn't decide to kill him that day. It wasn't in the moment or anything. There was a few days that this thought was tossed around and they tossed around ideas and how to get away with it, I'm sure, and all that stuff. And you have all these opportunities to say, this is a terrible idea. This is awful. Maybe I should live with my mom for a while or, you know, anything else. Let's run away. Let's do anything. So, man, it's just, it's so sad. And um, obviously it's so sad and hard because Steve was really trying. I mean, he wasn't a perfect parent. Doesn't sound like he would have claimed to be, but he seemed to really love his daughter and wanted, wanted help. He didn't know how to help her. I don't know how you could help her. Yeah. 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 And like you said, it was, they did talk about it ahead of time and plan. I read something that said um, at one point they thought about buying a gun and doing it that way, but then they couldn't afford a gun and it was like a whole thing. So But then Courtney at one point said that she didn't want to go through with killing her dad anymore and then threw Michael under the bus again and said that he went through with it anyway. There was a few different stories that she kind of like put out there. So we just really don't know, you know. Yeah. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter which one of them actually did it. They definitely did it. They acted together in one way or another, whether, you know, whether Courtney actually held the bat or not. You know, she certainly had a huge role in um, her father's murder. So. 
Uh, it's just absolutely terrible and so scary to even think. It's just one of those things. The the cases that you hear about, these rare ones where you hear about a parent being, you know, killed by their own child, like it's terrifying to think of that, you know, to, to, to imagine that their relationship had got so bad that that it led to something like yeah. that. It's just very tragic and yeah, yeah, very sad. for sure. We are going to lighten things up a little bit and turn the page. We're going to move on to our segment that we do at the end of the show called Last Thing Before We Go. So if you are a new listener and you're wondering what on earth are they doing now? So we do a little, Melissa likes to call it a palate cleanser, where after we talk about the case that week, we will do a little ending segment. And it's just a silly little thing. We have a lot of times listeners will send us questions or we will just come up with something random on our own as the case is this week um, that Melissa <laughs> came up with a little fun thing that we're going to do. So this is just something silly and fun. It's not related to crime or to the story we just talked about. This is just something we like to do. And I don't know if people enjoy it. I guess they do. <laughs> All right, Mandy. Okay, let's get into it. So Florida do or Florida don't. Flora do or Flora don't. Okay. How about that? Okay. <laughs> so the idea of this is I just found inventions or things that were kind of created in Florida and other places. And you're going to tell me if it's a Flora do, if it came out of Florida, or a Flora don't, that we didn't do it. So the first one, I'm starting you off with a softball. The first one is Gatorade, the electrolyte drink Gatorade. Well, I've always heard that it was created at the University of Florida, right? That's why it's called Gatorade. Is that a true story? Or is that you like you got to tell me legend? if it's a Florida do or a Florida don't? <laughs> I don't know. I think it, I think it's a Florida do. Good job, Mandy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. There was an assistant coach uh, in 1965 that looked for um, a solution to help these dehydrated players. They worked with a kidney specialist. They created Gatorade, which is not my favorite. I like Powerade. I'm a Powerade girl, but it could also what? be because I'm a Florida State girl. Yeah, the blue one. I don't even know what it's called. Like blue. I love well, it. Did, love did it they so invent much. Powerade? Florida State? No, we had nothing to do with any of this, but I, <laughs> out of loyalty to them, I, I like that. So, okay, Mandy, the, ne- the next one is the hamster shredder. It actually is a hamster that runs on wheels, and as it runs on wheels, it powers a shredder, and you can put your documents in there that provide shredding for the hamster. How genius is that? Okay. I think that's like okay. the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, but it's a terrible product name to call it a hamster shredder because I know. <laughs> it implies that you are shredding the hamster. I don't know what happens. I mean, I guess you could, but you shouldn't. I Maybe that's why it's not so popular. So is that a flora do or a flora don't? I don't think so. That's flora don't. That's a British thing. Yeah, it happened. Yeah. Somebody <laughs> in England did it. Good job. Okay, next one. Hooters restaurants. Oh, my gosh. Um... Florida don't. I mean, you're thinking very highly of us. It is a Florida do. I can't remember where it started. I didn't write it down. It started in 1983, maybe in Clearwater, but uh, in Florida. It's one of our one of our things. Um, Let's see. I'm going to skip around. Mandy, an anti-eating mask. And this, no joke, looks like a Hannibal Lecter mask you put on your face to keep you from eating. Is that a Florida do or a Florida don't? Um... Or don't. Good. Wow, you're good at this. So <laughs> it's somebody from Sacramento and actually did not have a name. The article I read was basically like she did not want her name attached to this. But uh, yeah, can you imagine putting putting on a Hannibal Lecter mask just to like no. not eat cheese? I think it would work. It could work. Yeah. <laughs> or you could just throw it away. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. So I've got two more, Mandy. Um, let's go with streaking. 
like the act of streaking. Oh, I'm going to say Florida do. That sounds like a very Florida man thing. It is. And it's a Florida State thing. It actually happened at Florida State in 1973. I remember. Or wait, I, well, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Who's the old one now? <laughs> maybe I've seen pictures of this. Or maybe somebody else has been streaking like in a football field. Tons of times. Or it happened maybe for I'm a just while. making this up all in my mind. But yes, I feel don't like you I've hate seen, that? seen this. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that whenever I'm like, do I know this or did I make it up? <laughs> um, no, it, the pictures got out from this streaking, uh, this guy streaking in uh, at FSU in 1973, and then it became a fad for a little while. So that is a Florida do, but it's a like, don't, um, but it's a <laughs> Please do not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. The last one I'm going to do is Amazon. Florida do or Florida what? don't. No, Florida don't. Okay, well, this one is kind of halfsies because Jeff Bezos went to Miami Palmetto High School and the education he got from there helped him to begin Amazon. So that's it. We're claiming Amazon. Don't. We did it. Florida is responsible for Amazon. If you like you Amazon, you can thank a Floridian. Thank you. We'll we'll take the donation in Amazon cards. We'll take your thank you. In Amazon Perfect. Cards. Yeah. <laughs> you are very welcome. There you go. That was fun. I like those. Um, oh, good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's so many weird things out there that came from Florida and then there are there are weird things that come from other places too but yeah that was fun I like okay I enjoyed that Melissa thank you very much that was very entertaining yay I'm glad (laughs) all right guys I think that is it for this week's episode we that's it this is it we'll be back next week yeah (laughs) (laughs) same time same place new story have a great week bye thanks so much for listening to the moms and murder podcast Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.